Nah. Before we get in, uh, my lovely wife is going to bring us an awesome word tonight. I've had a bit of a sneak preview, so listen up because it's worth it. I'm going to read from uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 4. So if you've got your Bible or if you've got your app or your phone or your tablet or all, whatever form your Bible takes this evening. Philippians 4, we're going to read from uh, verse 4 down to 13. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whatever it is, whatever, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. Amen to that. It's like a mic drop, isn't it? <laughs> well done, James. You read that so well, man. Whew. Yeah. Well, um, I feel like I need to have another thing, another service. Oh, look, I'm going to grab this still. Sorry, guys. All right. So tonight I'm going to talk about emotions. Off that. What are some emotions that we have? Can you call me out a few? Happiness? Sadness. Sadness. What was that? Fear. Fear. Oh, yeah. What else? Anger. Anger. Yep. Trepidation. That's another form of anger. Very good. Hey. There's anxiety too. Like there's a few different ones, aren't there? All sort of in the fear category. Anything else? Well, despair. Oh, that's a heavy one. Yeah. Disgust. That's a good emotion. What was that, Nettie? Frustration. Yeah. Very good. Isn't it interesting how there's so many negative emotions? But the only positive one anyone mentioned was happiness. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that a fascinating thing? Yeah, emotions are part of our lives. They kind of exist in the junction between our physical bodies and our soul. You know, we're, we're made in the image of God. You know, believe God is three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And in a way, he made us in his image. And I believe that an interesting facet of that is that we are body, soul, and spirit. And, and emotions exist in this funny crossover between your soul and your physical body. Often they're caused or affected by hormones in your body and it has a very physical effect on you. We've all felt that when you almost have a car crash, yeah, you go <gasps> like this. <gasps> 
and it has this physical effect on you, suddenly you're not even close to tired anymore, like in a, in a split like that. Um, even if we think we can control our emotions, the most level-headed person among us will still get shaken by something. Yes, even Glennis. <laughs> She's pretty level-headed, I would say. <laughs> and sometimes emotions can hit us over really strange topics. I remember vividly one time driving in a car with a lady who was a wonderful Christian lady, but all of a sudden, like, we'd, we'd been talking about all kinds of various really deep issues, and some of them really awful. Somehow she decided, oh, she just started ranting about how bad tattoos were and how Christians couldn't get tattoos, and she was really upset about this, and she just kind of went on and on about it. And it, it was really strange thing to get upset about, because, really? Yeah, but you know, I remember when I was younger, crying myself to sleep, at night time and not being entirely sure why. Have any of us felt that? I think women are really bad at that. Man, our hormones, shocking. And I didn't always know why. The next day I'd be like, what was that about? That was a weird episode. And then um, the next night I'd be miserable again. I never knew why. If this is you, you're not crazy, you're human. Yeah, this, that's a human thing. There are things we can do to help, but you, you are human. Your emotions are not you. That's a good one. You are not your emotions, and your emotions aren't you. Emotions can be powerful, and in the moment, they can be just all-encompassing, but they don't have to define you. They can pour over you and obsess you and drive you to all kinds of things, but they aren't you. You can feel them, and you can sort of observe them happening, and I encourage you to try and practice that. It's kind of called mindfulness, when you can kind of observe you feeling or sensing emotions without it really rocking you. But that does take practice. Emotions can be manipulated. Ads try to manipulate us all the time to buy their products or services. FOMO is a very specific emotion, the fear of missing out, that it'll be gone before you get a chance to get it, and ads just use that all the time. Ever talk to a real estate agent? That's all you'll hear. That's all you'll feel. They just, that's what they want. <laughs> real estate agents are awesome, but anyway. <laughs> uh, songs can manipulate us to feel certain things. Happiness, anger, sadness, all these things. And, and sometimes the best songs are the ones that are most evocative too. Uh, movies and all other art is very emotional and the best art is often the most emotional. Um, news articles, hello, and news shows manipulate us to feel and get angry about the things they think you should get angry about, yeah, and feel happy about the things they think you should get angry about. Media is powerful. Um, pick one. Can we have pick one up, please, guys? <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Did you feel yourself smiling straight away? I can't help but smile every time I see that face. It's just so beautiful, such a glorious smile. <laughs> and, and pick two. <laughs> Every female's like, oh my goodness, my ovaries. <laughs> Mark's ovaries are squeezing too. Wow. <laughs> so I've just manipulated all your emotions there. You're welcome. <laughs> Media is powerful, and I tell you what, on the internet there are a lot of really unjust things and videos of all kinds of really awful things, and um, things that can make you angry, and and it can make it can kind of feel cathartic to watch them, 
But if you find yourself getting angry about things that you feel helpless over, have a think about what you're exposing your mind to. I've really done this a lot in the last year. There's, you name it, from each side of the political aisle, from each way of life, you can find so many things to get upset about and to get angry about, and in a way that fear could be justified. But I tell you what, if you're exposing your mind to traumatic, horrific things all the time, that's not a healthy place to be. And I just encourage you to just guard guard your mind. If it pushes you to have a purely emotional response, just be careful. Be careful. You can understand an issue without getting completely sucked into the emotional response of it. And you've got like this, because you know, um, instincts, you know what an instinct is, right? The idea of it, correct me if I'm wrong, scientists in the room, but um, I think the idea of an emotion, of an instinct is that it feels it, sends it signal straight to your spine, and then it sends straight back out to kick and that doesn't actually get to your brain the, the feeling of that doesn't get to your brain before your foot kicks out and that's kind of what an emotional response is you have this emotional response without thinking about the response you're having and it's not a healthy place to live Matthew chapter 6 verse 22 says the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be filled with light but if your eyes are unhealthy and your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light within you is darkness how great is that darkness those are words that jesus said those are words jesus said <clears throat> here we go emotions can spring man i need a drink of water where's that water gone oh yesterday i just got to wet my throat guys Thank you. Thanks, Joseph. Just talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> oh, that feels better. Yesterday, emotions can spring from wrong beliefs. Uh, yesterday, James, uh, we, we were renovating in the bathroom and uh, we were doing a lot, there was a lot of dust around, and so we were all wearing safety masks and goggles and all the things. And uh, James put his sunglasses down at some point, I think he gave them to Jack to wear or something, and then Jack put them down on the table, and then James couldn't find them. And he walked around ranting about those stupid sunglasses for so long and ranting at Jack. Jack, where did you put them? They're my new glasses, and they're the best, and blah, blah, blah. They're good ones that work up for me, and you know, on and on and on. Where have they gone? You said you put them there. You should care more about these things. And then, no kidding, they were on his head the whole time, <laughs> hidden in his fro. <laughs> there was his sunglasses. And so he was frustrated and he was upset. And these, those emotions weren't wrong, but it sprang from a wrong belief. He thought that it was Jack's fault they were missing, but they weren't. So it might be, that's a funny thing, but it's actually much more important to recognize we can have very real anger at someone, which is completely unjustified and based on incorrect information. The presence of anger doesn't justify itself. Yeah, that's actually super, it's way more serious than just sunglasses. And to some extent, emotions happen to us. The word happy, notice how it sounds a lot like happen. They actually come from the same old Norse word, which is spelled H-A-P-P, -P, and it means luck, chance, or fortune. So the reason why happy sounds like happen is they actually come from the same word. And um, the word hapless also comes from it. So um, 
it's tied to the idea of you feeling happy because of things that just happen to you or of your good chance, your good luck. And a hapless person is someone who is miserable because they don't have any luck. Can you hear that? Isn't that interesting? Here's the next quote. This is a really interesting one. Did you guys put it up there? When I was five years old, my mother always told me that happiness was the key to life. When I went to school, they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wrote down happy. They told me I didn't understand the assignment. And I told them they didn't understand life by John Lennon. Has anyone heard that quote? Do you know what's interesting about that quote? I've heard that quoted many times. The problem with it is two problems. First of all, John Lennon never actually said that. There's no evidence out of the hundreds of, art of interviews that they had with John Lennon, which have been written down and documented, that he ever said that. And in fact, when he was five, his mother had already abandoned him to his auntie. So literally, the evidence doesn't look good that John Lennon ever said that. Secondly, is happiness really a good end to chase? Really? If your sole goal is to be happy, what would you do to achieve that happiness? Is it a guaranteed result at all? It's kind of like, I kind of see it the way being rich would be a terrible goal in life as well. Because if your goal is just to be rich, what would you do to get rich? And there's no guarantee you'd be rich in the end anyway, yeah? So happiness, like richness, being rich, having a lot of money, isn't a good purpose for your life. It doesn't really work. We can spend our lives in the pursuit of happiness, but at the end of the day, it's almost something that happens to us, and sometimes it hits us when we least expect it, like other emotions. The other, the other day I was driving with my kids. We were listening to some happy music. The sky was crystal blue. The trees were verdant green, and the grass was long and, and beautiful. And I was eating a carrot. The car was full of children. And I just, it suddenly hit me. I was incredibly happy. I just, this overwhelming sense of happiness. I was in a car filled with people I love and who love me. I was doing something important and um, it just came on me. And you guys have that sometimes just every now and then? It's just delightful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's like a gift, a special gift, a grace that's been bestowed upon you in that moment. You should be grateful for it, but don't, we can't spend our lives chasing that. Chasing happiness is like chasing a rainbow. If it's your focus, it'll always be a little way off in the distance. Now, as for some negative emotions, I put quotation marks there because all emotions actually serve a purpose, even ones we think of as negative. Sadness helps you deal with grief. It helps you deal with things that happen to you and move on with your life. Anger at the right thing can drive you to seek justice for yourself and others. Right the wrongs and make the world a better place, yeah? But you can't live angry. You can, but it's not much fun for you or the people around you. And a bit of fear keeps you safe, keeps your family safe and makes you more careful. But obviously fear can become a monster which takes over your life. Back on anger, Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Do we have that on the slide, guys? I thought we do. It's okay. A good example of how not to be angry was uh, Cain and Abel, the Cain and Abel story. And they were two of the first human brothers. And... um, Cain's offering got rejected by God and he thought it was unfair and he got angry and out of that anger he actually went out and he murdered his brother 
That's what happens when anger becomes unhinged, yeah? It turns you into monster. Versus Jesus in the temple. I'm not going to go into that story, but a lot of you would know that story about how when Jesus was angry, he was angry at the right thing. He was angry at something that was very wrong and it was restrained. He didn't murder anyone, didn't sin, but he was still angry and he directed it at something worth fighting for. Fear, how not to be fearful was Peter in Gethsemane. When Jesus was about to get arrested, he pulled out a sword and he chopped off just in a split second, which is all, that was Peter all over. He chopped off the ear of one of the temple guards. And then Jesus says, what did you do that for? And then he put the ear back on. <laughs> so in, in, his ang- in his fear, he kind of reacted foolishly and uselessly. Yeah. It did nothing. Whereas Jesus in Gethsemane, he experienced the closest thing that Jesus would have ever felt to fear. I think the wording for it's in Matthew chapter 26. I'll just find it because the wording is really interesting. Jesus felt negative emotion. Jesus was not like this happy, happy, happy all the time by any stretch. Matthew chapter 26, verse 38 and 39. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. You mentioned despair, Josh. That's what Jesus was feeling in that moment, anguish and distress. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering pass away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So that's what Jesus did when he was trepidatious. He prayed and prayed and he left it in God's hand and then he stood with courage and strength. Galatians chapter 5 Verses 22 and 23 is the fruit of the Spirit. We aren't really going to touch on this a whole lot. But the one thing I want to point out is that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Have I got them all? I think so. They aren't things you feel. They aren't emotions. So the fruit of the Spirit isn't feeling happy. They're actually ways you should be. Very different. Um, I'm going to read Philippians 4 verses 4 to 13 again, the ones which James read before, verse by verse. So verse 4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now, just no, 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 go back, go back, go back. Verse by verse. Thanks, guys. This is a command. And it seems insensitive, especially, could you imagine saying that to someone who's going through a really rough time? Eyes, be full of joy. Again, rejoice. But if it stopped there, it would be very insensitive, but it doesn't stop there. Paul knew what he was talking about. Paul had been through it. He'd been persecuted. He'd been whipped. He'd gone through stuff that I can guarantee none of us have gone through to that level, to that many times, over and over again. The injustices that were put on Paul, he was imprisoned unjustly, he was put in stocks, you, you name it, he, he really suffered. So he knew what he was talking about when he says this line. This isn't coming from someone who had a cushy, happy, wonderful life. He knew what he was talking about and he goes on to explain more. Verse five, let everyone see that you were considerate in all you do. You should carefully consider your responses. Think about how you behave and what to do. Think what should my response be to this? 
Remember, the Lord is coming soon. That's the next bit. Oh, that one doesn't have it in there. Remember, the Lord is coming soon is a reminder. Can you go back a verse? Ah, I think, okay. The Bible says that I think when they did the slide, they didn't see it. It says, remember, the Lord is coming soon, which is a reminder of our greater purpose and the eternal God perspective we should have. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. I tell you what, that right there has actually four points right in it, right there. And it's powerful little section of, of lines there. Incredibly practical and incredibly helpful. This has really gotten me through in my life, this verse here. There's, um, just as an example, a few years ago, I had two close um, people of that I know felt, they fell out, they had a fight. It was really big, it was horrible, it was explosive. And I was so angry at them, one of them in particular, so angry, really upset. And, and I started praying for him specifically and it was amazing. It was just amazing that through the course of praying for him for like five, five or 10 minutes, my whole attitude changed and I lost the anger and I lost the crankiness about it and I could see kind of a more God perspective on what's going on. And I really encourage you to do that in your own life. You know, when you're coming up against something really hard, pray for the people you least want to pray for and just watch your emotions towards them change. And that's God helping you through that, you know. And that way you can actually love them the way God loves them. God isn't like a soft touch on anybody either about that. It's not like he's just going to say to everyone, oh, everything's fine. But it's a different perspective that comes from love, not anger. Um, oh, just another real quick point on that. When it says, thank him for all he has done. It's interesting. There's a lot of research that is coming out in the last few years about the effect of gratitude on your life and the effect that gratitude has to change your whole outlook on life. And so I really encourage you to lean into that specifically, but we'll talk about that after. Verse seven, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. How does peace guard us? I always, there was a while there I thought that was kind of funny wording. But when you think about it, peace is like a buoy in a storm that holds you steady and holds you upright. Even when the storm hits you, that that peace will guard your hearts and minds so that when life hits you, you don't get shaken and you don't lose faith and you don't lose your calm and your peace. Verse eight, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You know you can actually change what you think about? You actually can. Sometimes it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's really, really hard. But you can fill your mind with good things. That's the best thing to do when you're feeling a lot of negativity in your life and it's building up. Fill your mind with good things. Go out of your way to do that. Put on, these are just some suggestions, yeah? Put on some positive music. Yeah. For me, some people that affects more than others. For me, that affects me hugely. Sing, yourself, sing to yourself a song of power and truth. Nothing is impossible is my personal favourite. Yeah? I'm not going to live by what I see. I'm not going to live by how I feel. Deep down, I know that you're here with me and I know that you can do anything. Just amazing lyrics. 
But there are a lot of good ones. I think another one is Life is Short, I Want to Live It Well. That song is a great one too when I'm feeling a bit down. I'm like, no, I refuse to live like this. I refuse. Life is short. I want to live it well. I've only got one life. Um, Read the Bible. Put good stuff into your spirit. Memorise a scripture verse to quote to yourself. You can even Google, this works, if you Google scripture verse for tough times or whatever you happen to go through, scripture verse in financial troubles or scripture verse in uh, when people hate you and you will find amazing websites with scripture verses specifically for that. It's pretty easy. You can write it out on a note, blue tack it up on your wall, wherever you're going to look at it, on your bedside table or on your bed head or on the toilet door, you know, anything. Put the good stuff in your head. Um, Listen to a preaching podcast. It's amazing. Go for a walk. Purposefully breathe deep and be grateful to God for the breath in your lungs. And the flowers you see and the birds you hear. Go at sunset. That's my favourite time at dusk. And be thankful for the brilliant colours and the cool night air. That's one of the most beautiful. That's the most beautiful time of day, in my opinion. Amen. <laughs> These are some ways you can manipulate and change your own emotions. You can actually manipulate your own emotions to the positive. If you find yourself miserable at night and tossing and turning, finish the day with reading the Bible. And praying before you switch the light off. Fill your mind with something positive to go to sleep to. Uh, Verse 9. That was all about verse 8. Wow. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Keep doing the right thing. No matter what. Don't get discouraged. Live the right way. And then the God of peace will be with you. This is a promise again of God's peace. Reiterated. Verse 10, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. This is just a bit of encouragement to the believers he's writing to. Verse 11, not that I ever was in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Once again, this is evidence from other things we know in Scripture about Paul. He's really been through a lot. He knows what he's talking about. Verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. 13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Sometimes we read that scripture separated out from the rest of the passage and we think it means, you know, I can climb Mount Everest or I can go and do the big crazy thing. In context, this is saying I can put up with anything through Christ who gives me strength. And doesn't that suddenly take it from being a highfalutin idea to something that we can use ourselves? Yeah? We don't just strive to be happy, or which if you look at the etymology, it means just like having good luck. That's pretty shallow really, yeah? Our purpose should be what God wants us to do. When a luthier, does anyone know what a luthier is? Hey, it's a guitar maker, that's right. James reckons it comes from like lutes, because lutes were the first instrument, like they preceded guitars, and that's probably where it came from. A luthier is someone who makes a guitar, and they're incredible artists, they're incredible craftsmen, amazing. But he doesn't just make a lute, a luthier, uh, a guitar. He doesn't just make a guitar to play a specific song. He might make it more like a classical finger-picking guitar, or he might make it like a 
an electric rock and roll guitar. He might make a classic banjo string, you know, a banjo style guitar. But he doesn't prescribe the exact songs it's got to play. He makes it to play music. And the best he wishes for it is for it to play beautiful music. And in the same way, God doesn't necessarily prescribe the exact thing we should be doing with our lives. He doesn't necessarily prescribe who we should marry or the job we should have. There are people who he calls for specific things and there are choices we face along the way which God can and will direct, but he designed us each to play a different kind of music. Some of us are musical. Some of us are good at writing stories. Some of us are good with numbers or with people. Some are naturals with science or logic or sports. And not everyone should be preachers or pastors or chaplains, although they're amazing, or worship leaders. Perhaps you should be a laborer or a secretary or a tradie who loves Jesus. Yeah? One of the heroes of the, this is incredible. One of the heroes of the New Testament was Stephen. Stephen was described in Acts as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And he died a martyr for Jesus. He was stoned to death because he was a Christian. And as he died, he had an amazing vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And God was on the throne. And he said, he actually called it out and he said, I see, as he was dying, incredible story. But do you know what job he had in the early church? He was, he was the guy who ran the kitchen for the widows. I kid you not. In Acts, I haven't written this down, guys, so you won't be there in the um, things, but yeah, here I'll find it, because it's pretty amazing. Where was it? Stephen, here we go, here we go. We apostles should not spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and then six other men. How amazing is that? So that man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, he was in admin. Isn't that cool? He wasn't the guy up the front preaching. Cassie's like, yep, yep that's right, that's right, preach. <laughs> I saw her nodding, I saw her hair going, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps you should be a great mum or dad and raise a precious family. Perhaps you should stack shelves and be the best employee your boss has ever had and be a good friend to those around you and be honest and truthful and kind. Perhaps you should be an entrepreneur and make things people truly need and make money while doing so. You can do a lot of good with a lot of money. In pick four, oh, we're gonna show the pictures of the guitars now. Tommy Emmanuel's guitar. This is, you can buy the Tommy Emmanuel custom maiden guitar. I don't know if they still make it, but they used to. It's actually originally made in Melbourne. And uh, this is the custom Tommy Emmanuel. And uh, it's a very lovely guitar, yeah? Would you agree? Beautiful guitar. And uh, this is Tommy Emmanuel's actual guitar. So that's the one you can buy from a music shop. This is Tommy Emmanuel's actual guitar. Check it out. It's lived its full. And the luthier who made it, how do you think he feels about that guitar? Yeah. Which guitar would you want to represent you? 
Would you choose to be the cushy one who lived its life in a case? Maybe display it on a wall? Everyone would be like, oh, look, this is the custom Tommy Emmanuel guitar. Or would you rather be this one, which has played and had so much, produced so much enjoyment for thousands of people, had incredible songs played on it? If you don't know who Tommy Emmanuel is, he's a legendary Australian guitarist. He's considered one of the best in the world. And we may even play a song of his after the service, just because he's so cool. And he uses his guitars very well. Apparently, after he's played his guitars for a while, over here becomes paper thin. Over here and up here where it's fully scratched. And um, you can't see, but the top of the guitar has, is similarly scratched and messed up. But it's been busy making beautiful music. What kind of life do you want to have? Do you want to have a cushy life in a case? You know? Or do we want to use our lives for God? Yeah. What did God make you for? I'm not asking you what your career should be or what ministry specifically you should do. What are you good at? What do you love doing? What do you love learning about? What do you love to practice? Who do you influence positively? Who around you is looking at you? Who are you really? What are your values? I'm not asking how you feel. I'm not asking about your emotions. Who are you? Are you truthful even when it's hard to be? Are you trying to control and direct your anger in positive ways? Are you kind to the people closest to you? When you purpose to live your life for God, following Him, committing to that journey of faith for the long haul, you will find true joy and fulfillment. Happiness will be inevitable. We can't chase it. Yeah? You will find happiness chasing God's purpose and meaning. Dear God, may that be us, Lord. We want to live our lives like a well-used guitar. Lord, we don't want to aim to live cushy lives that are comfortable, God. We want to be happy, but we want to follow you first. Amen.